With a population of over 331 million, the US is a great market to create a startup, giving founders the opportunity to build a booming company without ever having to leave the country. However, for founders in smaller countries, particularly in the LATAM region, where all but two countries have a population of 50 million or lower, building a wildly successful startup and staying put isn't always an option. In today's episode of the Brains Bite Back podcast, we speak with Sasha Spitz, general partner and co-founder of Newtopia VC, a hands-on venture capital firm focusing on startups in the LATAM region, to find out what it takes to build a thriving startup in this corner of the globe. In this episode, you'll learn about the influence of unicorns from different countries and their impact on the new generation of entrepreneurs in the region today. Alongside this, you'll also find out why Mexico and Brazil's founders have a head start and why LATAM founders from outside these two countries need to break into at least one of these markets in order to build a big VCable company. And additionally, we share advice for young startups looking to get the attention of VCs. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My name is Sasha Spitz. I am one of the co-founders and managing partners of Utopia. Utopia is a venture capital firm focused in Latin American startups that are building solutions for Latin American problems or global problems. And we aim to invest with this first fund, a $50 million fund. We are targeting to invest in 100 companies at the pre-seed stage. Uh, those tickets at the beginning are like between 100K to 250K for the startups from idea to product market fit stage. And then we can do follow one in the seed round up to half a million dollars per company. And then up to $1.5 million in the top performers of the whole portfolio in their series A. We are agnostics in terms of vertical. And as I was saying, we are looking like for these amazing founders with regional and global dreams. Awesome, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I love this topic because it's something that I don't feel like we've covered enough on the show. So I'm really happy to get into it. Um, before we do get into the discussing like the landscape of Latin America and startups, I want to know what's the story behind the name Utopia? That's a great question. Thank you, Sam. Uh, we, we started Utopia like a little bit prior to the pandemic lockdown. Uh, we started having uh, the idea of building a new fund. I was coming from a previous fund that I founded uh, years ago in 2017. And my last investor I got together with me, we were planning to, to launch a second and bigger fund than, than the first one. Uh, that's Juan Pablo Lafos, who is also a co-founder and CEO right now of TravelX, a wonderful travel company with, with NFTs and blockchain technology. And he sold his previous company and he got together with me to build my, my second fund. And in the meantime, Mariano Mayer, which he was like a secretary of state of entrepreneurs and small and medium businesses in Argentina, the national federal government for, for many years, 40 years. And prior to that, he was in the city of Buenos Aires, uh, helping entrepreneurs and innovation and also directing the, the, the part of entrepreneurs and, and small and medium businesses. We got together with him he joined us in building this uh, this fund. And then we also got together with Pato Shutard. He's uh, one of the co-founders and former CTO of Mural, one of the latest unicorns from, from Argentina, Latin America. They, are, they built a wonderful solution for the future of work, which is right now happening, the future of work in a way, in terms of the solution that Mural built. Uh, and also Jorge Aguado, who was Secretary of State also prior to, to joining us. Uh, in terms of science and, and technology. And he was like really uh, bringing a lot of knowledge and network to the table in terms of bioscience, deep tech, etc. right? So we got together, we built Utopia during the, the lockdown, actually, the first 
uh, conversations started and meetings started in person, but then it continued like uh, remotely uh, during the pandemic, during 2020 in Argentina. At that moment, there was a very difficult time. A lot of investors in whole Latin America stopped investing. I was in the last period of my previous fund, so I was uh, making, I, I, I did, I believe, uh, in the first months of, of the pandemic lockdown, like five tickets from my previous fund. I was like one of the most active investors by then uh, in Argentina and part of Latin America without doing much in a way, right? But it was like, it didn't freeze us. Uh, and we continued with our vision of building a bigger fund. So our, our ambition was to, to create a fund to support entrepreneurs in the very early stages with a lot of hands-on support in a way that we could provide this uh, value proposition of helping the entrepreneurs to execute in a better way uh, and launch their startups and, and build like the foundations to create amazing companies for the future, right? So with this uh, hands-on value proposition, we provide uh, mentorship, uh, like office hours from the partners, also workshops, fireside chats with an amazing community behind us. We also have like some unicorns as investors, athletes, that are like uh, former athletes, uh, elite athletes that are part also of, of our uh, community and LP based. So we are, have an, a great community of people helping entrepreneurs in the very early stages. And we also got together with Diego Noriega. He also had an amazing uh, experience building uh, startups in the past. And he joined us also to manage the whole portfolio and value prof proposition for the entrepreneurs. This is like a little bit of the story in a way. And we believe in a more uh, decentralized world, a, a, a more diverse world. And we thought about it as a new global, in a way, this new world that was being created and that was going to be created and shaped after the pandemic uh, in a whole sense, in a way. And that's why we started thinking how to name the, the fund in a way. And among, I believe, that 150 names that we analyzed, there was a moment where we came up with uh, Newtopia as a way of creating this new era, the new world that we were imagining. Not a perfect world, of course, but with the purpose of really being part of the engine that is transforming the social and economic uh, side of Latin America. Awesome. Well, I have to say with that level of experience, I'm really happy to have you on because it's clear that I don't think uh, I could have found anyone better to come on and answer these questions about startups in the LATAM landscape. And I feel that the your description of Newtopia perfectly fits like what I would have assumed. I mean, it's the fusion, it seems to me, of like new and utopia combined together. So it's cool that you have that that ambition and that really shines through in the name. So yeah, like given like the level of experience that you had, I would love to learn from you. Like, what do the Latam landscape and culture look like for startups? And how does it differ like in different regions? For example, I understand that you're based in Argentina. Have you noticed a difference in how startups differentiate themselves from like other Latin American operations? Like, do you see a difference between the culture, the purpose and operations of a startup from like Mexico versus a startup from Argentina, for example? That's also a wonderful question, Sam. Thank you for, for asking. Like, let's start like in a global way. Like, let's do like a zoom out of the region. We believe that these are like exciting times for the Latin American ecosystem during the last five years or so of the LATAM ecosystem, we have been drawing attention from the rest of the world. Like 2021 was an epic year, breaking every record. And even though 2022 was lower than 20, uh, 2021, it is still way above the investment, the 
amount of total investment of venture capital that was like uh, being invested in the region was way above this year 2022 of 2020 2019 18 17 and 16 levels and those years were also uh, being records themselves so in a way there were a lot of combinations uh, of factors that brought us to to this situation right now and including the success of many entrepreneurs that started working really hard many years ago right at the beginning of the century so in a way it has now demonstrated the, the region's great potential and led the way for the new entrepreneurs that are coming so we are really excited with what's going on right now in latin america <clears throat> but the ecosystem is still in the in the very early stages right and that's what we created in utopia we, because we want to fill the gap by supporting this new generation of founders that aim to create a better reality for the region and the world right so what we could say that the wonderful point about what you were saying about Argentina, maybe Mexico and other countries of, of Latin America is that each of the countries from the region have lived their own experience in a way in terms of the maturity of the founders and the startups that are coming out from each of the countries. Argentina was very lucky of having the, the Mercado Libres and the Spegar companies, for example, like the first unicorns from, from the region were from Argentina and also from Brazil. Brazil with an amazing and huge market and super talented people also very talented in Argentina and those cases were inspiring the new generations of uh, unicorns for example from Argentina like the Nubem Shopee, the Mural, Alcido, Technicis, all of those companies were thinking globally from the beginning probably because of our market conditions like Argentina is not that big in a way uh, and also it's not stable to be thinking about a company that could be like really huge inside the country without having the need of going out. Brazil might be different in that sense. So I believe that Argentina had that combination of factors, like the really success cases that were helping us to say, okay, I believe that I can do it because these guys that are also really maybe talented and also they, they brought together an amazing team. They were able to scale in a national and then regional and then maybe global way. So why can't I do it? And that was like one of the, the seeds that inspired the new generation. And also this belief and this sense of community that was formed by entrepreneurs helping other entrepreneurs, not only uh, inspiring them by the example, but also with the advice. So I believe that was like really, really necessary and also one of the greatest factors that contributed for Argentina to have the amount of amazing companies that we have been building. But other countries from the region have been living their own uh, process, right? Like for example, Chile, if you went to Chile five years ago, maybe eight years ago in, in 2013, they weren't thinking most of the entrepreneurs in a global way. They were thinking more like how to build an amazing company, but for the Chilean market. Because they had an amazing market, maybe small, but really stable uh, and in great conditions. And also with like a very high average ticket, uh, depending of, of, of what startup, of course. But then the Notco, the Betterfly, the Corner Shop, those cases inspired the new generations of entrepreneurs. And right now we are seeing Chilean entrepreneurs with amazing dreams and thinking globally originally from the very started point, starting point. And then the same thing with Colombia, the Rappi example also inspired the new generations. And in Mexico, you're living the the, the same thing, the same example with Clip, Confio, Bitso, Kavak, and a lot of uh, amazing companies that are inspiring 
not only the new entrepreneurs that are thinking about having a startup, but also they are like, in a way, producing the future generations of entrepreneurs because the, what we call mafias usually, but it's like saying in an entrepreneurial way or culture, the capabilities and abilities that the founders have been acquiring prior to being founders as being employees of a startup that scale really quickly. And they learned in that company how to scale a company, how to raise money, how to build teams, how to acquire more customers uh, and other uh, aspects, right? So those mafias are also a really great component of the success, for example, of the new generation of entrepreneurs from the region, right? So in a way, and answering your, the, the final part of my, of my reply would be, Mexico and Brazil have the lack in a way, the entrepreneurs that are from there, that they have a really big market where you might not get out of the country and you might build a really huge, amazing company. But all of the countries from the whole region, except Mexico and Brazil, the entrepreneurs need to think really in a regional way or how to scale the company to Mexico and or Brazil if they really want to build a big, a BCable, as I call it, company. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. And if you are, make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more, including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. I knew that Brazil was big in the sense that I think at one point, it might have changed now, but like more people spoke Portuguese in South America than Spanish, which is just mind blowing considering that's like one country just providing that. So I suppose that that makes absolute sense. And I also love the use of the phrase mafia there. Uh, I had no idea that it was used like that. So I've learned something new and I, yeah, I find that very entertaining. And you did mention quite a few examples there of case studies that have really been an inspiration for entrepreneurs. I'm wondering if you were able to share some more interesting stories and case studies that are maybe less well-known or that you've seen and that have kind of maybe like inspired you from the LATAM startup world that have been like really successful. Let me think about examples, but I, what I would love to think about is not only the ones that I are already there, the ones that made it in a way, if you want to call it that way, but I would love to point out something different, which is like entrepreneurs that can be uh, in the path of making it by starting really small, focusing on product, building a great team, building great technology, building like traction from the beginning, and maybe not raising at the beginning millions and millions of dollars, because in some cases that would be like a bad sign to inspire others to become entrepreneurs by only thinking, oh, okay, I will be an entrepreneur because I will be able to raise $5 million. But at the end, it's like, you really need to be focusing on solving a real problem and building the real and great product to, to attack that problem, right? And solve it, of course. So uh, one example that I am thinking about, a company that really scaled from a really uh, small slash medium city from Argentina, which is called Bahia Blanca. It's in the province of Buenos Aires, but it's like eight hours by car from, from the capital city. Um, and the, the, this company is called Properix. They are an amazing, super talented team. Uh, and what they are doing is like, uh, they are building a property manager system 
a management system uh, like an ERP with integrations of accounting, reporting, communication, online billing and payments, among other features. Uh, and it's a solution for property managers in condominiums with the ability uh, to provide also services of fintech and insurance to the neighbors, right? So they articulate in a way the relationships and transactions in condos, empowering the neighbors and making property managers more productive, right? So almost 90% of the uh, condominiums in Latin America are managed with an Excel uh, spreadsheet, right? Or legacy software. So they are trying to solve that problem and make the property managers more productive and also solving the problem and the transparency for the neighbors. So in a way they focus in a really huge problem and they started by building the company and the product with really small uh, pre-seed round a few years ago. They only raised less than $400,000 and they achieve right now a traction of more than 250,000 homes. They conquered the market in Argentina. They are called properties. I don't know if I mentioned it. They conquered the market in Argentina with less than, than half a million dollars in a way, even way less. Uh, and they also launched Colombia. And right now they are raising the, the, the new round to maintain the position in Argentina, consolidate Colombia, and also launch in Mexico. Because as I was saying before, you need to think like in a regional uh, way, probably in most of the cases, if you want to be like a multi-billion dollar company with the possibility to attract the big venture capital firms from the region and the world uh, to invest in your company. But I wanted to give this example because it's not only a success case of someone who already did, for example, an IPO and how they build it, but it's also like the way that you can start an amazing company by focusing on building a great product uh, and try to gain the product market fit from there, but strapping maybe or raising a little bit of money uh, and then building a greater company with more traction, but based on really solid foundations, right? So this is a company that we liked a lot uh, and we decided to invest from Utopia recently in this new round that they were raising. Awesome, cool. I, I wanted to ask, if you could share potential advice for any young startups looking to get attention of VCs, like what would that advice be? And also including that question, I'd love to know, like, um, are there particular red flags that you look for with early stage ventures? Well, what advice is we could give to startups in the very early stages? Let me think about it, but I don't want to fall in the cliche, but maybe it is a cliche that is worth mentioning and really uh, being emphatic about it because in, in some cases, we still do not see what I'm going to say right now. And the first thing that you have to think about when we analyze a startup, we focus in analyzing the team, right? They have to be interdisciplinary founders. If you are building a technology startup, a tech startup, you have to have the co-founder that is the technical founder, a CTO, how we could call it in a way, but the one that will be leading the creation of the product at the very beginning, because it's really start, it's really hard for you to start building a product if you are outsourcing the technology and you need to iterate at every moment, every week at the beginning of a startup. You need to learn what's going on with your product when you launch it and you need to be able to learn fast from the feedback of your users and be able to, to translate that into new ideas on how to keep improving your product. Right? So that's why you need to have the interdisciplinary team with the visionary guy, the sales guy. Also, they, they need to have a, the ability of attracting new talent. That is really, really important. Uh, we believe 
that the founders of a startup need to be like the starting point of an amazing company. And they need to have that ability of attracting the best talent to build that company. And they don't have to be like really stubborn slash selfish or, or trying to, to know everything to believe that they only need to hire people that know less than them. Actually, it's quite the opposite. They need to attract more talented people than them. And that's when we believe that we have seen the most success cases, right? When when they are able to attract that talent to build the, the company that they are dreaming about. And then, of course, they need to be able to, to execute if they have experience by doing other startups in the past or if they have been part of the teams of other startups that scale uh, in, in a way in a country or regionally or building a product that scale in that way will also be like something great that we will be looking at. Uh, and of course, they also need to be humble in terms of it's like the perfect mix of being super smart, but also knowing that other people might be give giving you a, a great advice, piece of advice. So they need to be humble to be open to listen to a lot of bells, but then deciding which one of the bells are the ones that they are uh, taking for the company. Right. And then, of course, as I was mentioning in other of the of my my answers, uh, they really uh, what we really analyze is that the opportunity size, the real problem that the, the, that the startup is solving has to be big enough uh, to be attractive uh, to be attractive for found for sorry for venture capitals that want to build and help founders build uh, amazing companies for the future right So the opportunity size is really important if you want to to, to be part of in a way the, the VC community of investors that want to, to invest in your startup, you really need to have the ambition to create a huge company by reinventing industries in the future with a long-term vision, right? So that's why you need to be focusing on solving a real problem of the society or some part of the society, but it, it really needs to be uh, big enough uh, to support one or more multi-billion dollar companies in the, in the future, right? And that's why we uh, try to analyze a lot the opportunity size. And then of course, the competitive landscape, like we, try to invest in those companies that can be the winners in the future, right? So if the, the competitive landscape is already flooded with other companies, we might not invest because the solution is not innovative enough uh, for us, right? Yeah, so much of what you just said resonated with me, uh, particularly when you talked about solving the problem or solving a real world problem, because so many times I have founders and um, leaders in the startup world on here and whenever i ask them and this is a question that i always love to ask like how did it get started how did you how did this company get started and it almost always stems from the fact that they had an experience and there was no solution for it and then they they produced the solution and there they are chatting with me about uh, the solution and on top of that it was really interesting to hear what you said about being humble in the sense that i can imagine yeah when you when you're proud of an idea or proud of something that you're working on, it can be easy for your ego to get in the way and think that you have all the answers and you know it and you know best. But um, I think that was really solid advice. And I have to say, like, if anyone's listening and they want to get more advice or follow you or follow Newtopia, what are the best channels for them to keep up with the work that you're doing on? Yeah, that's great. Um, of course, everyone can, can follow us on, on LinkedIn. We are constantly posting about the, the world that we the work that we are doing and anyone that wants to apply to Newtopia can go to our website newtopia.vc and then you will find the button for for applying and we are right now in the process of uploading our investment manifest 
which will be like really deep diving in a lot of the points that I've been talking today. So if you want to deep dive in any of those ones, you will be able to read it in our investment manifest and our value proposition and what's the ticket sizes that we invest in the companies. Amazing. Sasha, thank you so much for joining me again today. This has been an absolute treat. Gracias, Sam. Growing a company has many hurdles, from securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search. Each business challenge is uniquely complex. The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that is where our sponsor, Publicize, comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or churns out press releases whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds businesses' online presence and gets high-quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. What's more, listeners of Brainspike Back can find the tools and resources they need to overcome common hurdles that many startups face when trying to generate long-term growth by visiting publicize.co slash bbb. That's publicize.co slash bbb. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at, at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Disclosure, this episode contained a client and a Spacio portfolio company.